You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 53 called Anyone Can Create Media with Bruce Reicher. In this episode, we introduce EduMentor Bruce Reicher to talk about media production in the classroom, book publishing with EduMatch, and the power of PLNs. Check it out. Our edgy mentor for this episode is a 25-year veteran teacher, currently a middle school technology teacher in Upper Saddle River, where he's been for the past 13 years. In addition to all this, he's an author, state presenter, Google certified teacher, and board of education member. I'd like to welcome Bruce Riker to the podcast. Bruce, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're doing fantastic. We're very excited to be talking with you. I know that we've been, uh, you know, following each other on social media for a while, but it was a it was a pleasure to get to uh, meet you in person at the NJECC conference. Uh, it was a great time. Yep. No, same here. That's an awesome conference, and there's so many different things to choose from. And I'm all about sharing and paying it forward, and that's one of the reasons why I like listening to uh, the podcast that you guys have. Thanks. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah. We're really excited to have you on, and you've got a pretty exciting journey, and I'm really happy to get to share that with our listeners today. So I'm going to jump straight into it um, and just kind of get a big picture of sort of what made you what made you get into education, where did this all come from, and just to describe your journey for our listeners. No, definitely. Big picture, I never um, even thought about being a teacher. I was like a type of kid that uh, had the old transistor radio which no kid would know what it is now, like <laughs> under my pillow, listening to the Mets and Yankees and even Islanders in the day, like winning Stanley Cups and championships. And I was hyper-focused on, I'm going to be a sportscaster. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I went to University of Hartford. They had just gone Division One that year, started broadcasting all the games, graduated from University of Hartford, did UMass football and basketball games for two years. And things were like, you know, sailing along and like going well. And then the radio station where I had been working, which was like a small AM station, they were on some, you know, rocky road of whether they were going to stay in business or not. And um, I kind of dropped out doing sportscasting for a little while and honestly just did temp jobs and offices, whatever I had to do to get by. And this doesn't happen that often, but in one of the jobs, I literally wrote like out a whole list and just said, I need to get another job. I need to work with people. I want to make an impact with people. I didn't know if it would be kids and literally picked up my things, even though I grew up in New Jersey, moved back to Connecticut and got into University of New Haven into a graduate program for elementary ed and then, you know, made the switch that way. And at that point, I just wanted to learn to be a teacher. I would taught in elementary school, then eventually middle school. And luckily enough, in Wyckoff, New Jersey, uh, there was an opening for a middle school technology teacher in their TV studio. So I'm like, this is me. And then my whole two worlds came together and you never really think about how the dots hopefully connect for everyone, but that that's kind of where it put me, like all of those years that I had spent doing video production, audio production, and now I find myself in a TV studio, you know, brought those two worlds together. And I think some of the timing of doing different things, if it's a podcast, a TV show, any type of media, you know, in the beginning, it's the beginning. And then as you get more used to it, you pick up, you know, a different a rhythm and different tips of how to do things. And, you know, it was just comfortable for me to start teaching kids 
um, how to do video production. And I'm so glad that I actually taught in the classroom first, because I think uh, kudos to all the elementary teachers out there, because I taught nine subjects in elementary school. And I think by far, that's like one of the most difficult challenges when you could teach everything because you can't be a master of all of you know the content. So a lot of cool points there. First of all, shout out to elementary school teachers, because I totally agree. I, I think it's really underrated how much uh, responsibility is for our elementary school teachers to kind of get our students learning those early learning skills. So I totally agree there. Um, one thing that you and I have in common Right after college, I graduated uh, once in May, and then I finished up my second undergrad in December, and then I got a long-term TV studio, uh, TV production sub uh, job. Now, my background was in biology, but uh, I took it because, you know, technology has always interests me. But I will tell you, that was, let's see here, about... 16 years ago that I did that and so much has changed in the TV studio from then until now so I'm kind of curious uh, how has the TV production uh, at your school right now you've been there for 13 years how has it changed since the beginning till now well just to give you an idea that you guys would appreciate and our part of the state in like northern Jersey at the time uh, Cablevision was charged with giving schools their legacy equipment so they could start TV production programs. So I walked into this school 13 years ago, and I'm not exaggerating. The cameras that were the studio cameras took VHS tape. It was like Cablevision's old equipment that they were donating to schools. And across the board, everything was analog. So analog video switcher, audio switcher, how we broadcast out was through the coax cable in the building. And um, at the time, we fed in, like if we feed in stories now, we just click on a file and it plays on a computer. At the time, we actually would like rack up, you know, the different stories on VHS tapes and have to get a starting point, end point, you know, cue up the whole thing. I think in the beginning, um, you know, it's the most difficult part because you had the oldest equipment. It was donated from someplace else. You know, the kids, they, you know, they, they knew what it was, even though today, 13 years later, like I show them a VHS tape and no idea. Like they haven't, <laughs> it's something they just haven't seen, like, unbelievably, you know, in their lifetime. So over time, what's transformed is I'm left with one piece in the TV studio. It's a Mackie audio board. Every, everything else, the cameras, video switchers, um, all the computers have been updated from analog to digital, which the, I think the biggest change for me has been we used to print so much paper for the script. The script is about 30 pages for each show, print it for two announcers, so that's 60 pages. And just to print that amount of paper and then the show's over, we distributed some of it, but throw it out. Um, frankly, it was you know a waste of paper. And, you know, technology wise, I we do 170 shows in a row every year. I would have 170 different PowerPoint scripts at the time. And once we uh, went to Google Chrome five years ago, that was like a big game changer that now there's one script. It gets updated every single day on Google Slides. No more printing. All the students get it shared on their Chromebook. I'm lucky enough to work in a one-to-one. -one. So I would say the computer technology is incredible compared to what we had started with either handing out sheets or before that writing things you know, on whiteboards. And the other thing which is so true is Moore's Law, which is from 1968, the guy predicted everything would be twice as fast and half the price. And the TV studio is a great example of it. We updated two years ago, all digital. The video switcher that we use um, it's an ATM data video switcher. It, it was $2,500 and it does everything. Green screen, transitions, titles, uh, you name it, um, it does it. And um, you know that's a huge change that now you don't really have to invest a lot of money. In fact, 
You can even just use a Chromebook or any computer if you wanted to record a show offline, edit it, and then you know put it up for people to watch. We happen to do ours live every single morning, but it's like anything else. There's a million different ways to to do it as long as the students are creating the content. It's great. I think it's really cool that like you pointed out, I'm mean, even myself as like a regular classroom teacher, kids that have Chromebooks in your class, just with the extensions you can get for free, it almost turns that one single unit into a little mini digital TV studio all by itself. And there's so many cool things that that opens up for not just the teacher in your position, but uh, any any classroom teacher. So I think that's great. And I want to let you know, Bruce, that for a very brief time, I did a, uh, a radio show at my college uh, radio station. And it, they had this was in 2005, and they had not converted anything to digital. So we were putting uh, like all little commercial breaks. They were in eight tracks that had to get put into these <laughs> these like racks and kind of queued up. And it was it was challenging to learn all that, but it was super fun. So I I, I appreciate and understand that we've kind of come a long way here. I mean, I had I had lived through in a uh, t- teaching TV production with mini DV tapes, and you talk about a classroom management headache slash nightmare five classes they were all recording on all these different cameras well just put masking tape over the little mini tape so nobody else will touch it because you had to queue up to a certain time i mean now we're eons ahead of we use canon little cameras that they shoot on an sd card you look up the date you look up your file and that's it you know you're you know you're good to go yeah um i want to talk about you know the other point that you said which i think is so important I think people, if they come into my TV studio now, it's 13 years we've built it. You know, I always keep in mind, we started the TV studio with the analog equipment, with five enrichment students, just put somebody behind there reading announcements, a camera person, a video switcher, maybe an audio switcher, and that was it. And then start building it out as we've gone along. And I think every single uh, classroom teacher today has such an opportunity with the camera, microphone is on your Chromebook, iPad, whatever device you're using. And so much of it is imagination, creativity, writing, getting in the reading skills. There's so many different skills that go into it. And I think sometimes with a classroom teacher, if I put my elementary classroom hat on, like I said, I was teaching nine subjects, like doing you know, video production, even if I was an elementary teacher today, I would still do it, but it would be off my radar a little bit just because of time and how much time can I niche out to actually you know, put into it of having kids, uh, you know, do it in the classroom. Not that it couldn't be done, but, you know, my learning curve shot off when I switched from a classroom teacher to, you know, a technology teacher. Certainly today with, it doesn't matter, whatever device you have, even we know all of our students, I mean, they're experts really with their phones of, I tell kids every day, you could, I'm sure you could shoot much better video on your phone than I can um, because yeah. that's that's what the world they've grown up in. Yeah. So those are great points, but there's one thing you said that caught my eye and I'm going to use it to wrap up our intro segment here. And that is teaching kids skills for the future. I think it's really interesting, especially that you do this, you put on this uh, live show. I was watching some of the shows that you shared with us earlier. Pretty impressive stuff for middle school students uh, to put out there. So just in general, how do you feel like this uh, TV curriculum or, or what you do kind of impacts the their learning and, and their agency to work on and complete other other tasks, maybe future in life. Yeah, I honestly, I think like it nails it. I mean, ever since I've been teaching for over 20 years, I've always heard that half of the jobs for the kindergarten students don't even exist yet. And what skills are they going to need for the future? And you look up any list, there's, you know, worldwide organizations that have done in 2015, these will be the skills kids will need. In 2020, these will be the skills they do 
top 10 list of them. If you take a look at that top 10 list, eight out of the 10, any type of media production nails it from creativity to problem solving, to collaboration, to working together to creativity, you know, every single skill that they mention, you do all the time, you know, with video production of whatever you're creating, even audio production, you're planning, you're writing, you're reading, you know, all of those, some people even call them like soft skills, but they're gonna be the skills of the future. And if you don't know what jobs are gonna be created in the future, which I've been hearing for 20 years, and I'm sure is partially true, then let's start teaching to the skills of those 10 skills they need in the future, it would be a great idea to have them embedded for every teacher into all the lessons that you're doing, uh, because those are things that, you know, all of our kids, but especially high school kids can, you know, bring forward. And um, it's interesting that a lot of companies, Google and Facebook are leading the way, you know, going to college is not like the end all. A lot of these companies now, if the high school kids have those skills, they have their own training programs that, you know, a lot of the skills that we learned in college are very important. But I think, these top 10 skills of what you need to do in the future. If you looked at the list, like I said, I've studied it like eight out of 10 of them. They hit perfectly. And creativity, by the way, keeps like creeping up. Like it was originally number 10, number seven. I think it's the number two needed skill now in the workforce by 2025. Yeah, and I think we could also see a shift in how teachers teach to reflect that, the importance of creativity. So I, I guess from this segment, we could say a couple things. One, Technology is always changing. It's becoming more affordable. We're having more options as teachers, as students, and that we can um, definitely spark creativity within our students into any classroom, not a just a TV production studio, but really any uh, classroom, we should take advantage of this opportunity. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at wegottech. We're going to switch hats off of Bruce. He went from the teacher and now he's going into the author. So we'd like to talk a little bit about the book that you've been working on. What is it about? What's the gist of it? Do you have a title for it? Is there a published date? Um, those types of things. Could, could you just tell us a little bit about your book? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, the book, the working title right now, is it's called Scripted, An Educator's Guide to Media in the Classroom. And the genesis of the book is five years ago on Twitter, I found a teacher in Indiana who not only does a TV show in her school, but she does a radio show, movies, trailers, all different types of media with middle school kids. And I'm like, I have to, you know, friend this person, then start DMing them, you know, talking to them. Her name is Paula Needlinger. She's from Plymouth, Indiana, which is right by Notre Dame. So I've worked with her for the past three or four years. Our classes have communicated back and forth, looking at each other's projects, critiquing each other. And last uh, fall, she was uh, approached me if I wanted to write a book with her and also with an elementary teacher, Randy Tomes, who's from Indiana or from Indianapolis, who also has the same structure, but believe it or not, in elementary school with fourth and fifth graders, they do a daily uh, radio show, a daily TV show, uh, right in like an elementary uh, setting. And, you know, this is something that just found me in a great way. It wasn't a bucket list thing. It wasn't like, I always need to write a book. I have so many different ideas. And the coolest part about it is 
the three of us, the genesis of it was we have all looked for a book that we could use in TV production and media production, and we could find them, but we couldn't find them that were more than 10 years old. And you just talked about like how quickly technology changes. So we were like, why, why can't it be us? Why couldn't we write you know, the book for it? And that's exactly what the book is. The three of us giving all tips that we know on planning, implementing curriculum, actually doing any type of media in the classroom. It doesn't have to be a radio or TV show. It could be podcasting. It could be a commercial. It could be, you know, it, we really wanted to write it for every teacher and not so much just for the video production teacher. And the book gives you, you know, everything. We want to make almost like a recipe book of, you know, I want to do podcasting. Here's where I go. I want to do video production. Here's where I go. Hardware, software is included in the book, rubrics, assessment, like almost everything that you need in one place. And it would be an updated version of basically the materials we've created, uh, a lot of them with Google tools and just put them all together, you know, for people to use and for people to read. We were lucky enough, EduMatch Publishing, uh, Sarah Thomas uh, picked us up in September. And now I'm learning, um, I think, just what it's like to be an author that from the time they pick you up to the time you publish, it is a six to eight month timeline. So we're hoping that in May or June, you know, the book will be out. Right now it's in the process of uh, being edited by their editors and then we get it back, we make our changes and you know that takes place over uh, a long period of time. Right, so I think there's one cool thing you point, you said there that really uh, I, I noticed and that is uh, we so many times as teachers, you're looking for a resource that doesn't exist, right? But And when you can actually create that yourself, uh, those always I think end up being the most, the most valuable things, not just for you, the person who's putting it together because I'm sure there's a ton of learning that happened there for, for you, but also for other teachers because this was actually made by a classroom teacher because it was a thing that didn't exist. So you went out and did it. And I think that's really powerful for teachers to hear. The other thing that I, I wanted to piggyback on is you mentioned Sarah Thomas, and I've uh, seen Sarah Thomas speak on several occasions, uh, not in person, but live. She was on uh, a couple of professional developments that were going on online. Super fan of Sarah Thomas. How did you get connected with Sarah? <laughs> Interestingly enough, that my two other authors are both from Indiana. So August 1st, they actually go back to school in Indiana, not like in Jersey where we go back in September. Mm -hmm. So I just went through every education publisher I could find, five or six of them through Twitter and through meeting other people, contacted all of them. And I was actually in a conference in Vernon, New Jersey this summer. And you talk about you don't need to be in big places for you know, sometimes big things to happen. You know, there was a good crowd there, but it was in the middle of the summer. And the person, uh, Kathy Kronowski, who was the keynote speaker, I'm telling her about my book and all these different things I'm going to do. And she goes, well, why don't you try EduMatch? And I go, I've heard of EduMatch. I know that it connects educators who teach the same thing. Honestly, I didn't even know that EduMatch publishing was something that existed. She's like, Sarah Thomas, Sarah, Sarah, on you know, Twitter, try to contact her. And again, it was something almost like organically that just happened. I contacted her. We were in the middle of contacting other publishers. So when she wanted an elevator pitch, when she wanted a chapter from the book, I was easily able to like upload everything on her site. And then, you know, even that it said, you'll wait three or four weeks. We heard the next day from her. She's like, I want to, I want to interview you and the other authors from the book and um, how worlds come together. She's a great educator, Sarah Thomas, and does so many different things. Her education background is Howard University in radio and television. So huh. by the time she read our huh. book, it was such a great response from her when we first met because she was literally like, I totally get it. I totally get it how 
creating media and going through all the different steps of from brainstorming to publishing is something that every single student you know um, needs to know how to do and I love what you guys put together. And that was such a great takeoff from there that it really like hit home with her. She could see the purpose, you know, for it. You know, we were lucky enough to connect to her. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Uh, I, I heard a similar story not too long ago with Sarah in it. And uh, I just think that, you know, you know, if if Nick and I ever get our stuff together and we want to write something down on a, a piece of paper and give it a go. I mean, to me, it's kind of a lot like a dissertation, which, uh, you know, I just went through the give and take that feedback. I'm not sure since I just completed that if I'm ready to hop into a book, mm-hmm. but I do have some ideas. And, and you also n- named uh, Kathy, who uh, I recently contacted, and I think she's going to come on uh, the podcast soon to talk. She's like everything Flipgrid, but she's so much more than that. She has her flip hunts. She has a whole bunch of stuff. She's starting to mess around with uh, Flipgrid and AR, VR type stuff. And uh, I really like to talk to her about that, but I think he nailed it. PLNs are so powerful. Even though they seem like it, sometimes it's a, it, you're living in a fantasy world. You'll never meet up with these people. I mean, we met up with you last week. We met up with a couple other people at the uh, last uh, Ed Camp, New Jersey. I mean, I'm finding more and more of my PLN everywhere. And those connections are powerful. I mean, look, we, we talked about the radio and the TV equipment. Mm-hmm. Look how far we could get connected nowadays versus 10, 15 years ago. It's just amazing. And I think one point to that, and I think you guys have experienced it and I have too, is you know people online from Twitter and there is a special relationship when you do finally meet them, they say like F2F or face to face. But you kind of feel even with you guys, like I knew who you were, I knew what some of your work is. And I guess maybe you kind of have like prior knowledge on the other person that you feel like you've met them before. And I've seen it at ed camps. I've seen it at conferences, people going, hugging each other, high-fiving each other, saying hello to each other. And then you're like, how, how well do you know that person? Oh, that's the first time we met. But I've been talking to them for a while, you know, on Twitter or on Twitter chats or whatever it may be. So I think it definitely has developed a special relationship of educators who, in my own case, I'm the only technology teacher in my school. So if I don't do the PLN and I don't do ed camps and all these other things, which I don't have to, but I feel that's the best way for me to grow because uh, within my school, there is a STEM teacher, but I'm the only computer apps teacher here. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's tough. So reaching out to your PLN makes a lot of sense. Before we wrap up today, I want to give you the opportunity to anyone that was listening that's in a similar situation. Maybe they're a classroom teacher that wants to bring in media production. Maybe they are that TV and media production teacher. How can they get a hold of you? Do you have any websites? Uh, Do you have a website for the book? These types of things. All this stuff will be in the show notes, so we'll make sure to include that as well as your co-author's information as well. Okay, sounds great. The best way to get a hold of me is on Twitter at B Reicher, B-R-E-I-C-H-E-R. And that's where I mainly concentrate with my PLN on Twitter. We are developing a website uh, for the book, which is under construction. We're also going to be one of the first books that's going to have a companion Wakelet site. So one of the things with doing a technology book as it changes so quickly is we're also going to use Wakelet to post videos, post information, and keep things as updated as we can, you know, on Wakelet. So that will be um, a live place where people could go, not only to connect to us, but to see updated updated resources. Our, the website I will send you on my school website, we don't go on YouTube for um, security because we're a middle school. But what we do is 
we stream out and then record and then we just post the show in a Google Drive. So I'll send you that link. It's right off of uh, you know our school's website. But I think the easiest to reach me is on Twitter at B Reicher. And certainly through Gmail, if anyone's still using Gmail, <laughs> breicher at gmail.com. I know that we are. Yeah. But I, have an eight, I have an 18 and 16-year-old at home, and no. <laughs> Gmail is very old. Email is an old thing at this point for them. It's not It's not in their wheelhouse. And I have a freshman, a daughter who's a freshman in college, and guess what? Everything from her college comes in Gmail, and she had to set up tons of alerts because it was not a normal thing that she would check. All right, so that's where you can find Bruce online. Also, remember to check out his book, Scripted, An Educator's Guide to Media in the Classroom. Uh, Bruce, this has been really awesome. I'd like to say just thank you again for coming on the show today. No, thank you, guys. I always enjoy um, talking education, getting a couple of new ideas, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geis and I individually at Geis Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.